Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Let's give it another round of applause for all the moms. Wasn't that video so sweet? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Raise your hand if you think that it, you're cuter than your mom. That was a trick question. Please don't raise your hand. Oh, oh, there was one person that raised his hand. I won't say it, though. Uh, well, again, happy Mother's Day. You know, this is uh, such an amazing day as we get to celebrate all the amazing mothers that are here in our church. Um, and, you know, Alicia and I, when we first uh, moved out here or, or were deciding if, we, if the desert was going to be home for us, you know, there was, one, if, there was one commonality in what we observed about the church, and it was that there's this sense of family that we haven't seen in all the different family of churches that we've been a part of. And I want to say that that's because of how much you've raised your kids and how great of a job you guys did, um, but also the marriages and the quality of relationships that is here in this in this church. Um, but also I want to say that uh, that all the mothers are are really responsible for the type of family that we have here in this community. So thank you guys so much for being such an integral part of our church here in the desert. Amen. Uh, well, again, it's Mother's Day. It's such an amazing time. We're, let's turn our Bibles to First Timothy uh, 1, or Second Timothy 1. Uh, this is going to be where we're going uh, uh, to get our lesson today. Uh, and it says here that I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And we all know that this is a letter that Paul writes to Timothy, and this is a second letter. Uh, and so this is going to be the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, but I wanted to kind of start off with a quick story. Is there anyone here that loves to embarrass their children? Raise your hand if you're a parent that love embarrassing your children. You like you live for it, right? And so if you guys don't know anything about me, when I get the uh, opportunity to come and preach to you guys, which is always a pleasure, I like to start off with sharing an embarrassing story about um, or about just my life because I'm a pretty embarrassing guy. I've had embarrassing times, um, but the story is not about me. All right, the story is about my brother, and I get to do that. Um, so something you guys know about me, I have. Uh, I'm one of four siblings, and so I have two older brothers and one younger sister. Um, and so I have an older brother. His name is Roddy, and we were all born in the Philippines. Uh, and when my brother was in second grade, they had a Halloween costume type of pageant. And if you guys want to know anything about Filipinos, is we love to show off, we love to show up, we love to show out. And so this was a great opportunity for, for ev- all the kids to kind of show off their best costume. And so my mom was in charge of getting the costume while my dad was in charge of getting all the camera equipment. And this was in like 1990. So when, when you're getting the camera ready, it's definitely a, a, a big task, right? And so uh, I don't know if any moms can relate, but this is definitely my mom. And I'm going to kind of blast her a little bit. But if there is something better to do in your schedule, that's what you'll prioritize, Right. Uh, that if there's something better to do uh, that that's probably going to be on the top of your list. And if you don't make that list, you're probably not going to get around to it unless you have time. And scrambling for a costume was definitely on my mom's bottom, the bottom of her list. And so when the time came and my brother was in need of a costume, she was scrambling to find the only thing available. 
Uh, and her, fi- uh, the only thing that was available at the stores was a, a Lion King leotard. All right, with a with a mask of the face of the character. And if you guys uh, know anything about that movie, the male characters uh, are, are Simba and Mufasa. Uh, but the Lion King leotard was neither one of those guys. It was the only girl character, and it was Nala. My brother had no idea what he was wearing. Uh, so, and my brother was a really big second grader. He he looked like he could have ate like two other second graders. He was pretty big. He was a big boy, right? But the costume was two sizes too small, right? And I I wish I wish I could have shown you guys a photo. I spent time. Alicia and I went over to L.A. to spend time with my mom. We were searching for this photo so I can show. You. So please just imagine it, right? And so little boys and and, and small leotards they don't mix. Right. And if I'm telling you guys, it, it it shows if you guys are catching my drift, it shows. All right. So so imagine this little boy come out. All his friends are Power Rangers and he goes, I'm Mufasa. Rawr, but we all know he's Nala, the, the girl lion. Right. So it's a pimple in his childhood. And really, my brother's lasting legacy in that elementary school is showing up to a Halloween pageant wearing the most embarrassing costume. And he blames it on my mom. And, you know, was it purely an accident? Who knows? Was it a setup? Who knows? Right? Who knows the inner workings of the mind of a mother when she's making decisions, right? You know, the funny, this funny story makes me think of this idea of legacy, the power of legacy. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The title of our lesson is The Legacy of a Godly Mother. Everyone say legacy. 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 So the definition of legacy is something that's transmitted by or received, given um, from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. But we hear this word a lot in, commu- in conversations, right? And, but we all can kind of get a gist of what this word really means. So in this case of this story, right, I believe what was given to my brother was probably early onset childhood trauma. Or lasting shame, right? So glad. I I will show you that picture, I promise you. And did my mom have the chance to prevent it? Yes, but I'm so glad that she did it, right? You know, but legacies are always constantly being built, oftentimes destroyed as time goes by. And today you are working on your legacy, right? You are working on your legacy. What are you passing down? What is the footprint that you are leaving for the people after you? And this Mother's Day, it's easy for me to think of my mother when it comes to this aspect of legacy, right? And last year, she had the pleasure of of coming and speaking to you guys. And you guys probably heard a little about about her story. But just her upbringing alone, she came from a very rich family in the Philippines, but she left it all behind to join a mission team in the Philippines and started working in the ministry. And so moving um, to the states in the middle of a housing market crisis, changing jobs, still being faithful to this day. My siblings and I are constantly inspired by the history and the life that my mom has lived thus far. And so thinking about a legacy can be a very powerful thing because it shows how much God just orchestrates every little detail of your life. Right from the highs, the lows, all these things that are necessary to shape us. What kind of legacy are you are you leaving in the world? What kind of impact are you making other than 
your own life other than yourself. You know, there's something to lean into this idea of legacy. And I really believe that we can learn so much from highlighting our mothers. You know, there's this great quote by Dr. Brenda Hunter, and it says that motherly love shapes cultures and individuals. Isn't that the truth? Right. Have you ever heard of the phrase? It takes a village. Right. Well, there better be some mothers in that village. Right. Because motherly love shapes cultures. But really, God in the Bible utilizes motherhood to do some miraculous things. And even in the world that we live in today, motherhood is this very sacred thing scientifically. Right. Biologically. Right. Mothers are the part of life. But even uh, it's sacred biblically. And really, God in Genesis even mentioned it a little bit, and it's kind of nuanced, but it says that God chose to even redeem the world through motherhood, that it's the gatekeepers of the next generation, giving life, right? And that's in Genesis 3.15. So what kind of legacy will you leave on your children? And we cannot underestimate the value of motherhood. And it wouldn't sit well with me to celebrate this day and not lift up uh, the women in our community. You know, and this day can actually be rather difficult for many of us. You know, either mothers who've lost children recently, you know, women who've had difficulties bearing children, or even single women, right? Motherhood is a blessing, but the truth is women and women in the Bible and and women here are ordained in faith, especially by God. You guys are all loved by our wonderful God. And really, God has moved through some amazing women in my own life that aren't even mothers, or that, are even, that aren't even my mom, but I think of them in this day, or today, and I just want to honor them. You know, I think about my teen leaders who, you know, are, were single women who pretty much took care of my siblings and I uh, during our teen events, and I just remember the faith that they poured out to my siblings and I, and how influential that was. You know, and the friends that I built in the church. And when I was a teen, when girls were far way more mature than the guys. And so they made sure that we uh, didn't do anything stupid. But, you know, I even think about women serving in the full-time ministry. And being in the ministry today, I, I look up to some of these women. I think about Marina DeAnda in Long Beach. If you guys know the DeAndas, I love them um, so much. San Galang, who him, her and her husband lead the church in, in Hawaii. And even our very own Danielle Sweeney. Right. And she's probably watching online because they are at home sick. So please be praying for her and Scott. Um, But this honor, this value of celebrating mothers is something that is recognized by Paul to the point that even in the passage, he was moved to pray. He was moved to thank God when he was thinking of them. Do you have lives that allow others when seeing into your life? Just thank God. Right? Do you have friends who just thank God because you, you are here in this world? Right? Paul was in jail writing this letter. And, and thinking about Timothy and his upbringing, he started off that letter just expressing gratitude. And that despite circumstances, he prayed and gave God thanks um, in the relationships that he had. And really, this is the importance of legacy. And, and I believe that this lesson today is not limited to only mothers, but for everyone here in this room. Amen. Amen. So so in view of Timothy, according to Second Timothy, verse one. So uh, we're, we're going to refer that a lot. Uh, but seeing his faith built by the legacies of the women that raised him. Right. Lois and Eunice helps give us a piece of a blueprint 
on how to leave a legacy that raises up the next generation. Right. So we're going to look at two aspects of what the blueprint is and that Paul is referring to here. And what we're going to do is we're going to end off our time here with a challenge for us to walk away with. Um, But this is a special service, as you guys can kind of tell, uh, because in our first point, we're going to have the great opportunity to hear from one of our beloved mothers here in this church, Jen Moya. Uh, She's going to be sharing a little bit. And then, yeah, let's give it up. And then to share uh, our second point, uh, Chris will come up and help us draw us deeper into the lesson. So let's go bow our heads for a word of prayer. And then let's uh, really just connect with the Spirit here. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you so much for the time that you've given us to celebrate the mothers in our lives, to celebrate uh, the women in our lives, God, that have made us who we are. Uh, Lord, you are such a gracious God because we are alive. We are uh, living in blessings, and it's because of the hard work and the toil and the prayers and the blood, sweat, and tears that um, our parents and even our mothers have, have given to us. Lord, help us to remember the relationships that you've given us, the mothers that you've given us uh, in, our, in our life, but also help us to lean into your love in a way that we've never before celebrating this day. Lord, I pray for uh, just our faith to be built. I pray for the Spirit to really uh, move us all aside and allow your word to really come to life and speak to us and tend to our hearts. We love you. Pray for everything in mighty Son's name. Amen. Amen. So our first point is sincere faith. Sincere faith. I spelled that right. Amen. All right, sweet. And so uh, looking back at this passage, right, Paul is reminded of these women's sincere faith. He said, I am reminded of their sincere faith. And so faith is super important. We've got to remember that, right? We wouldn't be a church. We wouldn't be uh, followers of Christ if we did not have faith. Amen. And so Hebrews 11:6, we all know the scripture and it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So is faith important? Faith is important, right? Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So there's this call to please God with our faith. So how is God then pleased by our faith? I think about this interaction that Jesus had in the New Testament of Matthew with this Canaanite woman. right? And we all know that story of this daughter who... Um, was demon possessed, and you saw this. Uh, you saw the mother just fall on the feet of Jesus, just asking and desiring him to work, right? And just falling at his feet, and realizing, and 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 really remind or, or persuading Jesus, right, that I know of your power, I know what you can do, and even with that, in uh, in Matthew fifteen twenty eight, right, Jesus responded to her calling, her her sitting on on his feet, begging. For him to to uh, to heal her daughter is that woman. You have great faith. Your request is granted, right? And so, what this interaction shows to me is that Jesus was fired up when this woman uh, came and and desired for Jesus because she believed and had great faith in the Son of God, right? And so, what this shows to me that Jesus wants our full sincerity. He wants our honest selves. That when faithful and surrendered, even amidst struggle, this is how we can connect to Jesus' heart. Amen? Amen? When we understand the power that Jesus has. So thinking about this call for legacy, having a sincere faith really helps us walk by the Spirit. And helps us live with impact 
and purpose. Everyone turn their Bibles to Joshua 24:15. Uh, let's all turn there, Joshua 24:15, and this is kind of a, a great passage to, to help us paint this clear picture of sincere faith. And in, in here in Joshua 24, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. I'm going to read that again. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And so we read here in the book of Joshua that there's the opposite of sincere faith is complete mistrust. Right. In this passage, it says, serve the Lord, but put away the other gods. Right. We can probably have other gods that we want to worship in our lives that we can kind of put above God. And so really the opposite of sincere faith is complete mistrust. And with a mistrust in God, we can oftentimes put our own needs and desires before God's will. And if you're like me, even when I have this complete mistrust or mistrust in my heart about God's power, I can sometimes live a life where I'm trying to please God and be led by God, but I, I can't be satisfied, right? Because I'm too busy balancing God and even some of these other gods that I can put and idols that I can put in my life. You know, but Timothy's mother, Eunice, was an early Christian convert. Many theologians believe um, was in was part of Paul's ministry. And she communicated her faith and instilled it early in Timothy, even though uh, in some and, and you kind of can mention it or, or see it in the in the passage, even though Timothy's father probably was not even a believer. Hence why he wasn't mentioned. Everyone uh, believed that he was a Greek that didn't convert. And right. So that must have been very difficult for Timothy's mother. That must have been difficult for faith in the family. But I love the way that Paul highlighted the determination of these women. And that because of their understanding of the value of faith, that it was valuable enough to instill it in their children. And this is a part of God's will. Amen. So what better way to connect with this idea of sincere faith than to hear from Jen Moya? So I'm going to welcome Jen over here. Let's give her a round of applause. And she's going to get a chance to share some more about this point. Amen. Hello, happy Mother's Day, everybody, to all the mothers of physical children as well as spiritual children here. So many of you have mothered my own children. I'm so grateful for that. So actually, this journey with having sincere faith started well before having children for me. So I remember one of my earliest challenges is when I was 17 and I started studying the Bible. And with somebody helping me understand it, I was so, gosh, on fire Unfortunately, my parents didn't like my choice of church, and so they said that, gosh, if I'm going to go you know, to the church I was, I was studying the Bible with, and I was not going to be welcome in their house anymore. So that was my first really test of my sincerity of my faith. So unfortunately, so I did move out, and unfortunately, I was on my own financially, and so that meant it took 10 years to get my seven-year graduate degree, but I did it. Thank you, Lord. That was huge. I eked it out. Um, as a young Christian in her early 20s, I was tempted to make choices that would advance my own personal goals or what I thought would fulfill me, but I wouldn't necessarily include God in the planning. 
The spiritual sisters in my life helped me a lot. My own Lois at the time was a sister. Um, her name was um, Debbie Maddox. She gave me good counsel. And to this day, I still talk to her. She's in Orlando. And uh, she's actually one of the discipleship partners of my sister. But that's another story I'll explain. I take heart in a scripture that says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I think this has kind of been one of my flagship scriptures in my own life as I've had to navigate the waters as, you know, like a young college student, you know, trying to live by God's word and then a young single. Um, I was especially challenged in this when I was sick. I was engaged. I was five weeks away from my wedding um, to my fiance at the time. We, we actually co-led a Bible study together. Then I found out through God, he showed me through you know, people or telling me different things. I found out he wasn't as God-fearing as I thought he was. So um, he wasn't interested in getting stronger spiritually. He kind of left. and I decided, But that was after I decided to call the marriage off and just wait for him to get stronger. But he didn't like that, so he left. Um, and that was heartbreaking for me. That was just heart-wrenching. Um, but I leaned on my sincere faith in God, that God was going to take care of me regardless if I was single or married. I, I told him, you know what, I've been, at that time I'd been a Christian for eight years, and I wasn't going to leave God for him or anybody. And so that really, I mean, God protected me still. I'm so happy I made that decision. Because then two months later, God reintroduced me to Luis Moya, Mr. Rico Suave over there. And... Rico Suave, and then 20 years later, and two amazing children, here we are. Thank you, Father. So he is just blessed. I mean, I don't even deserve it. I didn't have to get that. But God has just lavished upon me through the years. So then, when I became a mother, the challenges to my faith doesn't stop there. And you parents know what I'm talking about. Because when you were, like, raising kids, you had to have faith every step of the way especially because we're doing it in a world where most people aren't God-fearing, right? And so that's, that's tricky waters to navigate and trying to help our, our kiddos navigate. So the challenges began as a mom when I got, you know, we had our, our first pregnancy. We, we lost that baby at 19 weeks of pregnancy. So at that time, that was so sad, as you can imagine. Some of you helped us through that time. Thank you, Ventura family. And we really needed to depend on our sincere faith at that time. And that he loves us. Uh, he loves our family. It was our desire to have children. God would help us if that was his plan. But again, it has to be God's plan, not our own. So we were committed to trusting his plan. So then about two months later, lo and behold, we get pregnant with Christopher Moya. And he's just been a blessing to us ever since. The, the interesting thing about that is as you... Science teachers know, and many more, like, you can't hold two babies in the womb at the same time. So, like, we wouldn't have Christopher if we can't, you know, get baby Lewis on it. God hadn't taken him. And we would never have sacrificed one for the other, but we don't know what God's plan was. But Christopher came to us just two months after we lost baby Lewis. And then, a year later, came the amazing Daisy Moya. Now, if you've gone to this church for more than, like, a month, then you know Daisy. Um, you know, Daisy is like lively and she's the laughter of our family, our lifeblood, and she's a complete servant. Oh my gosh. And hopefully maybe you've had like one of her baked goods. So we had Daisy, but both of them had developmental challenges 
as infants and toddlers, and again, we were called to trust God throughout that time. Um, that came with a lot of tears and pleas that God would help them to be as healthy as he could and to give them the best outcome for their future. I mean, Daisy didn't even come home until two months, you know, after being in the, in the NICU. So we earnestly pray to God for them, and um, God has developed each one of them in such a strong and special way. We're so grateful. Um, so as they've gone through their school years, we've strived to teach them to trust God and his plan for their lives. It's not easy, you know, as we know, um, being in school, there's a lot of distractions in life around them and other options they can choose, and we can't be with them 24-7. And it's easier for the kiddos to lose trust of God and blend into the world. But I think that we both have really tried hard to imitate our faith and sometimes at least to borrow it, our faith, when deciding how they're going to navigate life with their friends and in society. So we're grateful for that. So there's a cool example. I was so encouraged last night because something happened with Chris. Some of you already know because I got too excited and I shared it. So I'm really super proud of his faith in God. He's really walked the narrow path in high school and for the last four years. And then, you know, through the years, and I'm, I'm sure I'm embarrassing him, so forgive me, but God, I do it, girl. I got to do it, Chris. He constantly came to me for advice all through high school. Um, one of, the, one of the, the, the sure ways that I could know that Chris was going to, like, talk to me and confide in me was when we would pray at night and on the, his bottom bunk, and he would just start talking and talking and he was so sincere in asking me for my advice to how to navigate friendships, how to make sure he was reflecting Christ while also being a good and humble friend to his buddies in the school body. Now, some of his bestest buddies have playfully referred to him as the church mouse. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay with that? He's like, yeah. He goes, but you know I have a unique personality, so... High school, as you can imagine, wasn't easy. It was awkward at times for him, I think. But God encouraged him so much along the way. And I think his school body still respected him for it. And I think I was shown that in such an encouraging way. Because last night, you imagine how I felt when I saw a picture of him that they, at his prom, they liked him prom king. So I thought that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely not expecting that. Um, but, you know, I, I was, I'm just so proud of him because I think that he's stayed true to his faith, stayed true to God. And I think God has just been heaping the encouragement on him for that and, and building his faith even through that. So I was super grateful for that. Now, sometimes I've mistrusted God. I haven't always, like, every day, as you can imagine, as most of us, we have our ups and downs when it comes to our faith. But I find personally when I, when I lose faith, when I mistrust him, this ha- when this happens, I forget to pray to him. Um, I fail to seek him out. Um, I become anxious, therefore, and I get stressed out when I don't do this or when I do do that and and mistrust him. During those times, I rely on my own human planning, my own human efforts. I probably become overly controlling about different things going on in my life or with my family. And then life starts to unravel. But then God calls me back to him when my efforts become futile and I start feeling empty inside as a result. And then I'm reminded of the scriptures in Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its labors build in vain. Thanks be to God that he always welcomes me back with that. So 
Since then, God has blessed my decision to sincerely trust him in so many ways through these years, too many to count. I'm especially grateful for members of my family becoming um, disciples of Jesus through the years. Um, my grandmother in Puerto Rico a few years ago, she became a disciple with Lewis's help. I uh, studying the Bible with her in Spanish, and she knew for years I wanted her to really uh, come to faith. And at first she says, well, Jennifer, just because you want me to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm like, no, 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 Mama Tita, you know, I'm like, no, you got to do it for your own faith. And she did. She did become a disciple. And then some of you know my sister Teresa. Some of you have Facebook friended her. And I get a little jealous. But what happened is she studied the Bible like many times over the course of 25 years. And uh, unfortunately, about two years ago, or actually three, her husband was involved in a, uh, he, he was um, really brutally assaulted. Um, and he sustained a very severe brain injury. I mean, he wasn't really expected to make the first 24 hours. But he did, and he's still with us. Um, but at any rate, my sister became a disciple. She borrowed my faith at the time, um, and she started studying the Bible. And the, the Christians there in Orlando were amazing with her, helped her build her faith from there. She became a disciple two years ago. And then, oh, my gosh, it was a miracle, another miracle, I should say, where her husband, Louis, is now your brother in Christ, too. He became a disciple last month. So that was really awesome. And lastly, I just want to say I'm really proud because we're talking about legacy. And, of course, I think um, as a parent, you know, I really want to instill a legacy in my kiddos. And I'm really both really proud of Christopher and Daisy. Both of them are amazing children. They've each searched for and fought in their own personal walks with God. And my prayer is for them to continue a legacy of sincere faith in God. And um, I wanted to thank you for allowing me to share. Hello there. God has certainly blesses those who live a life of sincere faith. Amen. All right, I'd like to start off with a scripture in Psalms 18.25. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. And to the blameless, you show yourself blameless. According to this passage, God reveals himself when we live lives that mirror God's heart and character. As a young man... God has used multiple people that have inspired my faith and growth. Like Paul to Timothy, there have been a lot of Pauls in my life that have made me the man I am today. One of those Pauls is my dad, for example. (laughs) And I'm sure there is more people like Paul for Timothy, but I think Paul knew exactly what he was doing when he didn't mention the others, but gave all the credit to the woman that helped raise Timothy. My mom, for one, has certainly inspired me. When viewing someone like my mother and hearing the way she fought to be faithful to God helps me spiritually. I believe God calls us to prioritize relationships where we can learn from them. Those who have walked life longer than us because there's value in gaining wisdom. There's also a scripture in James 3.17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. We see here that wisdom is acquired from sincere faith. 
Spiritual wisdom for me means allowing God to transform my life in such a way that I can make decisions that will please him. In doing so, life becomes so much easier as well. I can live knowing that God can work in my family, my school, my relationships with others to fulfillment. We younger generations need to understand the value in embracing the generations before us. I was raised here in the Desert Cities Church of Christ for as long as I can remember. At a very young age, I was first drawn to the difference of how my parents conducted themselves as disciples of God. Despite disagreements or conflicts, they always persisted in Jesus' example of denying themselves and forgiving each other, being gracious to their co-workers, opening their homes for others, even when they might be a little tired, and the list continues. These were just surface-level events in which I observed at a young age comparing those qualities with perhaps other families. I knew something was different. As I grew a little older, I wanted to exemplify these positive qualities myself. I had seen the change in several of our members after they were baptized in Christ. They were more apt to fellowship with me, share their heart and perspectives on the scripture during family group times, and would frequently seek out help in areas that they knew God had the answer to. You know, little ones seem to be the most observant when watching adults. When I became around 11 or 12, I felt that I wanted to take my faith to the next level and study out the scriptures. And my studies were Paul's like Carlos Mendoza, Kevin Whitmire, Scott Sweeney, and Carlos Iniguez. Some of, my, some of the godly characteristics mentioned earlier that I saw my mom were her gracious heart, frequently helping other sisters in the kingdom with advice. Additionally, my mom also possessed a great deal of godly patience, especially at a young age. My sister and I, my sister and I had needs and wants that my mom always met or maintained without complaint. When I reflected on these characteristics that my mom exemplified, it encouraged me to study the word, giving me the inspiration to become a person of God that allowed others to feel refreshed, welcomed, and loved. Some of the ways my faith has mirrored the faith I see in my mom is trying my best to be patient, to be loving with others, and making decisions on faith, knowing that God will bless me while traveling the narrow road. Graduating high school and heading off to college has been an exciting time, however, it has also come with its set of uncertainties. My mom has always assured me that God was always present in this vital decision-making time, and that whatever happened, happened for his purposes. She tells me that his plan will always provide the most fulfillment in the end. I was faced with this most recently in the college planning process. So I was recruited to play water polo for a school called Penn State in Erie, Pennsylvania. Throughout most of the school year, I was in constant contact with the head coach there and was grateful for the opportunity to play. However, when it came time to assess the different schools that accepted me, we realized that Penn State, or the option of Penn State, did not have a close-knit campus ministry that would help feed my faith. After meditating and praying for a good school with a good ministry, God pointed my family and I to an alternative, which is what we chose Creighton University. It's in Omaha, Nebraska. They uh, possess a fantastic pre-med program with higher odds of medical acceptance rate than Penn State and a campus ministry that I was able to feel welcomed by and meet. I'm thankful to my mom for reminding me 
that God's plan always goes to fulfillment. Like Timothy, being both a servant of God and young man, I feel called by Paul when remembering the strong woman that came before me. So I'd like to thank my mom for how loving you are and the joy that you bring to me and our family, and I'm honored to be your son. And thank you to all the women out there who have inspired me. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Let's, let's give another round of applause for the Moya family. Man, I... Man, I feel like I just need to sit down and we can just end the service there, amen. Um, but, you know, it's, Nebraska is going to get the deserts, one of the deserts very best. Uh, and so I, I just want to say, Chris, I'm so proud of you and the ways that you've allowed this senior year to be an opportunity to, to lead the teens and show your example. It's not only evident to the teen ministry, to me and Alicia, but to the, to the church. But all that is only possible because of you, Jen and Lewis. Thank you so much for your hard work and your faith in God, knowing that he's going to take care of your family, as we can see. So if there's one thing, church, that I want you to walk away with, uh, and even if you're visiting with us today for the very first time, is understanding how valuable uh, our church is when it's intergenerational, right? That the older generation has prayed prayers faithfully that has come true in the ways that our younger generation can see that. And we need each other. We need each other. And Jen helped us see how transformative, sincere faith can be in her story. And then Chris shared how, as part of the younger generation, it's life-changing when we value that, when we see that, right? And I think there's so much value um, to the legacy that you leave. And so I just want to celebrate all the women and men here in the church and the faith that you guys have had and continue to build. Thank you so much. But legacy is important. And your decisions hold so much weight to the next generation. And, um, and let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 9. This is kind of a response to uh, what Paul was saying here in the scripture that we read in the beginning of our service. Um, and it says here, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And we see here that really when Paul responded to celebrating uh, Lois and Eunice, he reminded Timothy, okay, when you think of your mom, when you think of your grandma and the faith that they've had, this is what I want you to be reminded of when you think about their sincere faith and the spiritual wisdom. It's to fan into flame the gift of God, to not be ashamed and rather join with me. And I, I believe that these are great practicals for us uh, when we leave here today, thinking about what it means to really live a legacy that has sincere faith and value the spiritual wisdom. I think about this idea of fanning into flame as this ripple effect, right? And I, I don't really have much time uh, to, to go over this, but, I, but when I think about a ripple effect, I think about how scientists believe that uh, the, when you drop something in like a still lake, these ripples theoretically go on forever, 
Right. And so the larger the object, the bigger the ripples and even waves that we see in the ocean are ripples. Right. They're just big uh, versions of that. Um, and due to wind, right, can create these waves. But really, it talks about how a single occurrence leaves a lasting effect. And I believe that in our world, God shows us the way that he thinks that whatever we do, it will have an effect, that that effect will outlive us. But I think the problem oftentimes is we think minuscule. We minimize what God wants to maximize, who you are, your character, what you say, what you do. They're all designed by God to glorify him. Right? But we forget that we have an impact and that our impact is important. And in Acts 2.38, it even says that, that the gospel has the power that it's going it, to, this promise is for you, your children, and for all those who are far off. Right? That there's a legacy. Right? And, and I think about this even idea of do not be ashamed. I think we live in a generation where it's easy to be ashamed of our faith. It's easy to be ashamed of God. Time and time again, really, it, it, I see even in our youth that it's hard to be a Christian. You know, and being a teen leader, I see its effect on our teens. And there's a ton of different, uh, uh, different statistics, right? But I kind of wanted to, um, to, to point out the, uh, the right of that slide. You know, there was a research uh, study done with 2,000 teens between the age of 20 and 30 um, who have grown up going to church in high school. And 66% reported that they no longer attend church. And so they asked them, why, why was the reason that you decided to no longer attend church? And these were the top four reasons. It says, I moved to college and stopped attending church. Church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. Third reason is I didn't feel connected to the people in my church. And four is I disagreed with the church's stance on political and social dilemmas. And so you even see it today, and many of my friends have left the church. And how do we mediate this as a church? How, how do we, what's our approach to this? I think we oftentimes have a lot of different approaches. Either we can kind of separate different people into camps, Jew, Gentile, church versus unchurched, saved versus sinners. We have this type of dialogue. Maybe some of our approach to this is we just jump ship. We just say, hey, our world is broken. Our culture is gone. It's time to move on, right? Or maybe we run into battle thinking with this mentality of whatever is against us. We got, we got to attack it. We got to address it. Rather, Paul commands Timothy to join with me, right? He says, you know, in, in Philippians 2, 20 to verse 22, uh, he talks about, you know, he talks about Timothy and it says, for I have no one who is like-minded, who has genuine concern for you. But you know the proof of him that as a child with a father, he served with me in the gospel. And really the solution here that we learn is the lesson of Eunice and Lois is that the greatest legacy we can leave to the next generation is living a life that helps continually point people towards Jesus and his character. It's that simple. Right? And so how do we do this? With the fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5, 26. And we all know this love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, leaving a legacy that God will honor is simple, but oftentimes I believe we look past it. We overestimate it. But I think with faith and with spiritual wisdom, God will move and will continue to move in our world. Amen? You know, like Eunice and Lois to Timothy, 
Really, generations that pass are indicators that God's power and love is transformative throughout time. And so, to end with you guys, to the younger generation, I want to ask you guys, do we value the legacies of those who come before us? Do you see your parents, your elders, your family, friends, learn from their faith and value the wisdom that they hold? You know, there's a lot of things on TikTok, uh, but man, our, our parents hold so much more value and we need to have heart to hearts with those people who have poured everything in us. But to the older generation, do we see how our impact affects the generations to come? You know, men and women of the church, your faith creates impact outside of your prayers, outside of your quiet times. And, you know, being part of the teen ministry, something I've seen is that we are constantly watching you, right? That as we build our own faith, we tend to mirror everything from the good and the ugly. (laughs) But as the generation that is building up the next, do we leverage our impact for the better? Or do we partner with God who wants to heal his people? Because God is doing something amazing. So church, we got to leave a legacy. And how we start with that is having sincere faith in valuing spiritual wisdom. And so mothers, thank you so much for living lives that, does, that do exactly that. Thank you for teaching us. And may we continue to value you and love you the way that God does. Amen. So let's bow our heads uh, for communion. Uh, and, and feel free to allow this time to connect and commune with God. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the life that you've given us. Thank you so much for our moms. Thank you so much for the people that have come before us. Lord, may we remind ourselves of uh, the ways that you have just moved, um, planned our lives, even before we were existent. God, you know the number of hairs on our head. God, you know our dreams, our goals, our aspirations. You, uh, you create and, and form the boundaries of our lands to uh, uh, follow your will, Lord. May we remember that you hold so much power in our lives and we don't. Help us to remind ourselves, God, of our moms. Help us to remind ourselves of our fathers, people in our lives that have just poured into our hearts, Lord, because they were orchestrated by you um, to allow us to have the opportunity to leave legacies of our own that glorify and honor you. Thank you, God, so much for this family, for this church. Thank you, God, for our moms. And we love you. Pray for everything in mighty son's name. Amen.